What's up, filmmakers and moviegoers? I'm Zach, and with me as always... This is Eric. Uh, this week we're talking Once Upon a Time in, in Hollywood. Hollywood. Yeah. yeah. Which is kind of like in Hollywood, in Burbank, in yeah. Chatsworth, in Van Nuys. So, yeah. It's a lot of, yeah. <laughs> it's it's a, all over the map. Yeah. So it's an overall encompassing Hollywood. But uh, what? before we get to that... What have you been watching? What have you been working on? Okay, well, I went and watched Hobbs and Shaw opening night on Thursday just because it looked like a lot of fun. It looked like a lot of what you'd expect from Fast and Furious. Turning and your brain off and yeah, watching some yeah, things yeah, explode just, in CG. Yeah, yeah, and actually the storyline was pretty good. Um, and, it, and the fight scenes between um, Hobbs and Shaw and this guy... Um, Oh, I forget what his character Idris Elba's character. Yeah, um, Black Superman. Right. the The fight scenes were great. the The CGI was great. Um, it was just fun. It was it right, was right. what you'd expect. And then we talked. And then you asked me if I saw yeah. the Chris Nolan trailer for Tenet. for Tenet, um ahead of it, and I thought, wait. I walked in just as the trailers were starting. Yeah. And I didn't remember seeing it. I, I doubt you missed it. I did I didn't. Okay. Because I went back, I got another ticket last night <laughs> just to go see the trailers. Really? I thought yes. about doing it. I, I thought and about I sat doing there it. and then I thought, oh, I don't want to get because of the I always pick the best seat in the house. I picked the seat right in the center. And then I and I go. I I need to get up before people get settled in for this because yeah. I don't want to. I I already saw it. I need right. to. I'm, I need to study for my, for my uh, part one hundred seven. Yeah. And so, I'm like, I got to go. I and so I sat and I watched the whole thing. And then I realized that they're not playing that trailer in front of every showing of Hobbs and Shaw. So you were at an AMC. It was only select theater. Was it okay? Was it the Dolby? Though? It was the Dolby. So maybe they didn't have they, it. They they didn't show it at my theater. And yeah. So AMC doesn't get a lot of that stuff. They didn't get the the posters in Arizona at least for for uh, the the re release of Endgame either. Oh, they didn't. No, only Harkins and Cinemark I think got them. Really? Yeah, but you saw it in LA, yeah. right? At yeah, AMC? AMC. As long as it was uh, IMAX, right? Then yes. Yeah, it, that was really weird. That is weird. But, anyways, we all know how I feel about AMC, so we'll just move on. Yeah, that's true. But Hobbs and Shaw. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun. I would go see it again. It was just a fun. They had some creative. Um, you know, it's always the the banter between um, Hobbs and Shaw is fantastic. They hate each other, but they're forced to work together. Yeah, and that's, um, that's like the dynamic for every Fast and the Furious yeah, movie now, yeah, though. Yeah, it's like whoever's a villain the first movie, the next movie they're in, they're like having to team up with them. That's how they've done it ever since probably like three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it seems that way. Um, but it, it was fun. It was. Uh, it was. I I think it was well done. It was it was probably one of the. Do they set up like an ending? Like there's going to be a sequel? Like is there an, an obvious like? Not necessarily. Okay. No. I was because I'm curious like what they're going to do with this spinoff series because apparently yeah. like Vin Diesel hates it. Oh, does he? I guess so because he he's done. He, well, no, Vin Diesel loves the Fast and the Furious franchise, but uh -huh. he hates the idea of these spinoff movies, and I think oh. it's like a little bit of jealousy. But he. 
he voiced his opinion on it back when they were like talking about doing this originally two years ago or whatever. Mm -hmm. And he was just kind of like, you know, this needs to be in the, you know, this needs to stay in the family or whatever. He's all about that family thing. And, um, it, and it was weird because I guess it was going to like, by them filming this movie, it was going to set back the fast and the furious nine, I think is what they're on now. Right. And so he was like annoyed with that. And so is Tyrese Gibson, which who cares what Tyrese Gibson thinks. But <laughs> yeah, so I don't know what they're going to be doing. I mean, this movie's probably going to make, I mean, was the theater full the first it, night? It was full. Yeah. So it it, it'll full. probably make as much money as the other ones do. Yeah. Everyone loves The Rock right now. Yeah. And Jason Statham. I mean, they're both very charismatic on camera. They are. And they're witty. And, yeah. And it was, and it was funny. Like there's these funny moments where you know, and in this the trailer gives some of them away. Yeah, that last but, trailer felt like I watched the whole movie. But some of the some of the uh, like the, the scene where um, Statham's driving, and then he's got his sister and um, and uh, Hobbs in the in the in the car in a McLaren of all car. Like the three Tiny of them lo- don't how, fit. I was going to say, how's the rock even fit in there? I don't even know how he fit in there. In there. Yeah. But um, they all get in and there's a scene where these two semis are crossing the street and he slides the car right underneath. Right. And then um, Idris's Elba's character is following them and the motorcycle like morphs and it's like a smart slides. motorcycle, right? Yeah, but yeah. like smart on like steroids. Oh. And then he goes sliding underneath and follows it and then makes it through. You're like, What? <laughs> it was cool. It was it was yeah. you know, you gotta suspend disbelief, but it was sure. you know, when you when you sign up for that movie, I sure I, I hope that you're suspending disbelief because you know the helicopter's pulling the car off of the road, right? But anyway, I mean, there's there's a lot of suspension of disbelief. I mean, David Leitcher likes I don't know how you say his last name. He directed it, right? And Deadpool two, he did that, and then also he was you know the the other director for John Wick, and a few other things that are just as ridiculous. You know, actually maybe not as ridiculous as the Fast and the Furious movie, but uh, still still really out there. So yeah, and there's some John Wick ish. Uh, like elements fight to scenes some of the and fight stuff? scenes, yeah, yeah, yeah which okay. is cool. Yeah, well, I'll probably check it out when it's on HBO or whatever. Yeah, it's it, it's it's worth a watch for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a fun movie. Now, tell me about the not fun things that you watched because you finally found Chernobyl. I did, dude. Chernobyl is amazing, <laughs> dude. The writing, the acting, the color, just the 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 way it was shot just the edit oh dude yeah uh, dude if oh if it doesn't win all the <laughs> yes, things yes it, it needs <laughs> yeah. to win all the things i think i think it's a joke that like um the the producers and creators of game of thrones submitted their episodes against this show cuz like this show chernobyl it's it's the best I don't know. I guess you can't really call it a TV series because it's a mini series, but I mean, right. uh, it's the best thing on TV this year for sure. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it's so good. If you haven't checked out Chernobyl yet, you got to do that. It's, I mean, must see TV. I guess I don't know. Do people still say it, that? It, it it is <laughs> it is a must watch for sure. Yeah. Um. And the and it's all based on what really happened, and to get that perspective 
and then even to see just the um the machismo of the the Soviet government yeah you know yeah. and just how the arrogance yeah. and the fear actually though really oh though. yeah and that exactly and and you know what's you know what is interesting is is it's not um it's not unique to the Soviet government that that thing yeah plagues governments everywhere oh for sure and um but it's a good lesson in if you don't tell the truth the truth will be told yeah and one way or another and it's much easier to face it up front and deal with it that way than to try to pretend it's something else and then oh getting yeah, found dude. out and Man. Did, did you hear that Russia is coming out with their own version as an answer yeah so i guess they were they were unhappy of course they were yeah i was wondering about that yeah and so they were like none of uh, none of those things were true it didn't actually happen that way and all this stuff i'm like man uh, by the way there's a podcast companion piece to the show yeah and i listened to it like we'd watch an episode and then i would listen to it on the car ride into work and then it's a, it's awesome because like you're hearing all these details about like why they took certain things out or why they didn't include things. Um, they also like they talk about why they morphed um, certain characters into one just for storytelling. Obviously, right. there's storytelling there, um, the storytelling re- requirements to make it cohesive. But you know, it, it was that was a really interesting thing to have, and I don't know if there's anything like that where it's the actual creators talking about the show after you know as it's airing basically but yeah that was um, cool so check that out if, if you're if you're watching Chernobyl or if you already did like it, it it's um it's a bunch of really good extra information um especially about like the filmmaking process of it too but yeah I, I'm whatever. and then if you dig like, into the details you know you you I don't want to spoil anything in it for people who haven't seen it but it only happened 30 years ago but you dig into the details of the the fatalities that mm-hmm. are reported. Oh my gosh! And, yeah, and so they reported, and they still are reporting only thirty one actual right. fatalities from the accident itself. Yeah, and then the 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 total death number of of people that were there, like a lot of the miners that yeah. went, and a lot of the first responders that went to help, you know, uh, put out the fire, et cetera, et cetera. Everybody that total, got cancer and yeah. To, total just under 4,000. So 4,000 is the total number that they're reporting right. of, of fatalities from this incident yeah. where they're not reporting all of the fallout. fatalities yeah. from the fallout and um, all of the cancer, yeah. and, and they all give that kind they give thing. like a number in the end credits of the final episode, and you're, sure. and you're just like, and if you Google, ugh. it's the same number, yeah, and it's anywhere they're estimating anywhere from sixty four thousand up to two hundred something yeah. thousand. It's an insane amount. Ninety eight thousand is another number that gets kicked around quite a bit, um, but. The government is still paying restitution to thirty nine thousand families. Wow! For for those that the income earner was right was lost. So Jeez. so there's a discrepancy yeah. in that. There's a oh, but if it's only four thousand, then why are you paying restitution yeah, to right. almost forty thousand? It's a it's a mess, and it, it just goes Oof, back to just that it idea of just the arrogance of. 
the Soviet Union and you know and I don't even, even, even wanna, just as it is you now. You know, I think you know it's that that's true because it happened there. But I don't even want to single them out. It's, no, it's I guess I'm just talk, referring to this story. Yeah, right. Yeah. But even that you Oh know, yeah, it's it, everything. It wasn't like for me, I didn't walk well, away going, Oh, this was this was stupid this. Russia, right. Yeah. I well wasn't look at what just at happened here with the nine eleven responders and their health insurance and everything and and uh Congress or House of Representatives, I can't remember which one it was, um denying them health extension and, right. and then they finally passed it but it's absolutely ridiculous right like it's the same thing yeah it's i mean it's on thing. a much smaller scale but still <laughs> the same thing and it, it yeah we're, we're not free well, and of what it ha- and, and what happened at three mile island well, i mean let's yeah. i mean let's you know we, we can go yeah, so that's why for I say, hundreds of years that's why i say when i watched chernobyl it wasn't it wasn't like ooh bad on the soviets right you know ooh, and yes they they did what most governments do. Yeah. And it was, uh, you know, and some people might be offended to that perspective. They're like, no, you know, you know, the hardcore patriots are like, no, down with the Ruskies or whatever. I'm like, no, no, no. I don't yeah. think so. I think they're just like us. Yeah. I think that was probably the intention of the filmmaker. Yeah. And you kind of get that vibe a little bit when, when you're, when you're listening to the podcast is it's, it's more a story about how lies Exactly. Ruin things. Exactly. And how lies don't help a situation or whatever. And, and, it's, and he's just kind of using the Chernobyl incident right. as a platform for that storytelling and that And theme. you see how easy it is yeah. to just let's not, you know, we don't want to look weak or we don't want to look this way or inept or incapable or right. whatever. And, and all of a sudden, you know, now you're in. A lot harder water and you need help right yeah and you're too prideful to ask for help because you've you, you you've deceived everybody in what the real problem is yeah so well another thing that you watched that was full of arrogance was oh, dope dope yeah so you know uh not to be to confused. This. Sorry, not to be confused. There was a movie a couple of years back called Dope. Sure. No, this is this the is... series, the Netflix series, which yeah. is like three seasons long. That um, that started in 2017, um, directed by Richard Mejia, 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 and Ben Reed. Um, and basically, it talks about the drug. Cartels, the Mexican cartel, the Colombian cartel, and um, all the way through the distribution, uh, the different mules, the different hitmen, uh, the all the way down to the users, and uh, and it covers it like these aren't actors; they're for right. real. And it's it's I, my first reaction was I was in shock. They're so cavalier that that there's they're like yeah we'll come and film this thing and then even some of the people some of the the mules and some of the hitmen were like we didn't want to be filmed but it came down from higher up jeez yeah from higher up Whoa. in the cartel they're like no we want you to film we want you and so their their faces are covered and this type of thing but you're you're like, dude, they have a camera in the yeah. car that's going across the border. And who knows how much they're really recording that could be potentially 
Right. Like how are they? Pol- how is the cartel themselves policing that? Well, I'm sure they probably said we need to see yeah. the, the final cut before it gets released. I'm sure they, there's a dude in the edit bay with them that's just like hands, arms crossed. Something. Like, dude, I would not want to. Can't be, put that in. There. I would not want to film them. But oh, I, you know, I saw. I'm watching it because of I want to research what docs are out there on this subject matter because you know I want to do the documentary on on hella sketchy, but. Um, Wow. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a dose of reality that most people aren't going to want to. I mean, I, I, dude, first of all, I wouldn't want to be the filmmaker. No. Because you're, you're. You're marked for life. Yeah, you're risking your life. Oh, man. For sure. And, I don't you know, think you for, could pay and, me enough to be a cam op on that show. No, no. Um, so you're exposing yourself to the seedy underbelly of the world yeah um and <laughs> and you're and you're kind of not doing anything about it yeah. there's there's a big morality yeah, yeah. question there, there is you, you know? know it's just you you it's and they they interview paramedics and they go right along with paramedics that are giving narco to these heroin addicts that are you know ODing and you know it's the battle you know and I don't even think that that they they're I think the people that are trying to help are good natured and they don't really, they're not really solving the problem. Yeah. And, you know, the problem is there's a demand and they, oh, and they go into fentanyl and that whole thing. Oh, geez. Yeah. And man, whew. Yeah. I don't, dude. It's a rough watch, right? It, 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 yeah. It's, I was in shock. Right. I, I like watched probably five or six episodes and um and each season is short. It's like a four or five episode per season. Okay. Um but you know, and they go all the way to Hollywood. Um you know, and they're they're interviewing these high high end, high class users that are spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on whatever <laughs> drug of choice that they have and they're, you know, and partying and whatever, and you're like until until you remove the demand, yeah, it's going to be a problem because there's a scene where they're in Colombia and then there's these coca leaf farmers, and they they're getting paid maybe a thousand dollars a week. I think it was it was a pretty low number. What I was you know when you fir- on the very front end of mm-hmm. the production, it's low, and then it incrementally blows up each step of the way. And the Colombian uh, army slash police are going in there, and they're they're seeding the the farms, and they're you know, but it's they're risking everything going in there doing that, you know. So there's this war that's happening, but um, you know, the helicopter flies over, they just like, yeah, we're making our mash and making the paste or whatever, Jeez. and it's just. Because the money that they're making, they don't they don't have a clue. They they just think, hey, we're making this stuff and people want it and that's fine. Yeah. I don't think more morally they don't get the They're just naive, you think? I don't think that they're naive. I think they're just morally um bankrupt. Mm, okay. Yeah. I, you sure. know what I mean? Yeah. I think that they they're they're like, Oh, this is what people want, so we're gonna make it and yeah, there's a bit of a risk, you know, because there's a legal element here, but um, 
we're able to support our families in ways like the the kid. There's kids that are out picking the leaves. Kids. Wow. And they're and they're getting maybe a hundred dollars a week or something like that. You know, but a hundred dollars a week in Colombia is a lot of money if you're you're supporting your. You know, it's like you know they were they're interviewing this hitman, part of the Colombian cartel, and. He's got a six-year-old boy or seven-year-old boy, and he was like, yeah, I hope he never finds out what I do, and I don't want him getting involved in, in this or in drugs, and he wants to send him to college. And so it's not like stuff. this dude loves doing this. Like, he, he he's stuck in it. He is. Yeah. He was like, and he, yeah. <laughs> Gosh, man. It's a trap. It's, it's crazy. a total trap. Yeah, and yeah. they and they know, they know it's like, hey, if I don't do it, they'll just they'll knock me off and somebody right. else will. So yeah. it's like yeah. So to save my own skin. And your family's probably too, yeah. Well, and the, the thing the other part of it that I was that I was thinking about was is that every time there's a bust, right? So a lot of the cocaine from Colombia gets shipped to Spain. And they had this huge bust where they bust it because they're shipping it on shipping containers through these big shipping um, vessels. And then they're also doing it through these private yachts. Oh, okay. These sail sail yachts, they busted one and it was like 50 some million dollars worth of, I mean, it was like some kind of, it was like 80 kilos or something crazy like that. And so because they got caught, um, somebody that somebody's gonna get bumped off in the in the cartel. Ah, okay. Like, cause there's a leak in the information somewhere, right? Where, where it may not be true at all. It may not be true that there's a Could leak have just in been information. A random it's just the, catch. the cops yeah. are 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 all over the place. Yeah, they're gonna catch some. And to me, it was like, okay, so they feel like. How many times somebody gets caught, they keep knocking people off. Like, they're not going to have... Yeah, you, you, <laughs> That's not really smart business. Yeah, you run you know? out of employees pretty yeah. quick. Yeah. I mean, it keeps that fear, though. That it fear does, alive fear of, I better not like, get caught, I better not get caught, I better not get caught. Yeah. 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 Oh, man. Well, as, as for, like, the filmmaking of it, I mean, is it super... I, I imagine it's really gorilla, Like, just random it is camera running gun. shots there's and... dude there's a scene where they're the they're they're with the columbia police force or the uh army that yeah. are running into the jungle to take out this um uh they they have these pop-up um labs in the middle of the jungle oh wow and so they take the paste from the farmers and then they process the paste into powder and they you know and they yeah. refine it however they do it and um but there's there's like these these makeshift lab labs that they pop up and so they're they got a tip on where one was at and then they 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 had a, a mission a helicopter drop and then they are hiking in and so the camera's with them and it's like this it's a full run and gun system setup, but you feel like you're in it. I mean, Jeez. it's you feel like you're right there, and it's really well done, actually. Yeah, and I think part part of it is that, like, what, like, are you even kidding me right now like that they're feels, letting you? Yeah, it feels like a movie, and, but and it's you're not. not. On, you're not on one side. The camera doesn't belong to one side or the other. It's just showing the whole. 
oh, the whole pie. Man, that's the so fight crazy. against it. The the there's in the interview. Um, the DEA agents and um, and some have their face covered, some don't. Yeah. you know, just depending on their like. There's agents that are on the border that they don't because they see see them every day. So it's yeah, not like right. it's a mystery who they are. Um, but yeah, so you they they cover they do a really good job covering all the angles from different perspectives, which is really cool. It just blows my mind that they're even able to do that. It what blo- <laughs> yeah. I So yeah. <laughs> There's that. So I haven't really been watching much except for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yes. And I keep wanting to say Once Upon a Time in the West because that was the first Once Upon a Time movie I ever right. saw. And it's Wild Wild West. Oh, okay. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Now that's going to be stuck in my head. <laughs> but Once Upon a Time in the West was Sergio Leone's Western of the mm-hmm. similar name. And then he went on to make Once Upon a Time in America, um, both of which are just cinematic masterpieces. If you haven't seen them, uh, mm-hmm. block out eight hours of your life because they're long. Um, but And this one's long. This one is long, too. <laughs> Almost and then three there's, hours. <laughs> there's also the not quite as long uh, Once Upon a Time in Mexico from Robert Rodriguez. Right, yeah. Um, and Robert Rodriguez and Quentin Tarantino are pretty close friends. Yes, they um, are. So it was just a matter of time before Tarantino finally had his Once Upon a Time. And I think it was almost the Inglorious Bastards, I think, was almost Once Upon a Time in Nazi-occupied France, I believe is what he was going oh, to wow. call that. I might be wrong. but I'm glad um, that didn't happen. I know. What a long name. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Inglorious Bastards was a much, much better term or name for that movie. But uh, this, it seems only fitting that he would call it in Hollywood because he is the biggest advocate for the, I don't want to say Hollywood lifestyle, but, you know, like growing up in Hollywood, it, it's... He is a Hollywood filmmaker, if yeah. you've ever seen one. Yeah. Um, it, it just that's that is his love is is L.A. Like he loves Los Angeles, Pulp Fiction, Reservoir Dogs. I mean, mm-hmm. he just loves it. And this yeah. movie was long. It was way too long. It was <laughs> way too long. There are some scenes that totally were dragging. Like, oh, okay. So I want to talk about that first. Okay, do we want to give a spoiler warning? We're just going to be straight up spoilers from the beginning. We're going to spoil the spoilery spoilerness right from the spoilery beginning. But also, there's not really <laughs> anything to spoil in this. It's There is no crazy twists or anything. But anyway, spoiler well, warning aside. Well, if you aside. know the backstory. Yeah. There, <laughs> which there's this a, is... A... <laughs> okay, so we're in spoilers, and I want to talk about the pacing of this film. Because the first, there's there's a lot of traveling. There's a lot of traveling in this movie. People walking, people driving. There's a lot of driving. Mm-hmm. And it almost seems unnecessary to me until it was like the third or fourth shot of like Brad Pitt driving somewhere that I, that it like kind of clicked. And I don't know if I'm hoping this was Tarantino's idea or vision here was like, I all of a sudden I felt like I was living in LA. Yeah. And that was the vibe you do. because you that's all you do yeah. is you're driving and it takes forever to get anywhere yes. you're going. Yeah. And so I I don't know if it was the right way to convey that or if it was the right editing choice. Like it could have probably been twenty, maybe thirty minutes shorter. Dude, of a it film. could have been forty minutes shorter. I don't know about that. But yeah, maybe. 
I will say though that there's the there's the first travel with Brad Pitt after he drops DiCaprio off at his house and then he has to drive back to his ghetto like right, trailer. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay, this is showing us how far like the little person, the normal person lives right. from the hills. Yeah. And not necessary though. No, not it it's wasn't not. necessary. I mean for somebody I, who grew up there, like okay. I, I I Yeah, you have a different perspective. I do have a different perspective. Um, you know, I think there are for somebody in LA, they they're gonna identify with all the landmarks. They're gonna identify like and and that took me in and out of the film. Um, because of recent events. The the scene where Brad Pitt's driving through to Burbank before yeah. he picks up the girl, um, he goes past Forest Lawn. Right. That's where Jacob is. Yeah, and as soon and as that, that went totally by, took me out. Yeah, as I was soon like, as he drove by, I was oh. like, "Oh, that's yeah." Yeah, and 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 so I spent a lot of time looking at the background mm-hmm. and looking at you know different iconic uh, street, even that place where they the houses were. We lived in that neighborhood for two years, so it was like I know. Oh, the, I know the, all the Tate uh-huh. House area. Yeah, I know all of these all of these streets. I know where all the icons are, um, and landmarks. Um, it didn't need to be. It, it it was almost like this gratuitous. Yes, this is L.A. Yeah, and it did it. You could have communicated that. And for people that don't live in L.A. or haven't grown up there or don't know those icons, it doesn't matter. Well, okay, that's matter. a good point. So to bring I think up. for sure. him, I think for him, it's the the love of yeah. L.A. and Hollywood. It is and, this love story and, fairy tale in for and, uh, for Hollywood. Yeah, and I, you know, and I I love Tarantino. I love what he brings to to film, but it didn't need to be this. There's, you know, the scene where um, uh, Sharon Tate's in the in the theater watching her film, like. They do cut to it like three times. Yeah. And, yeah. and she's sitting there and yeah. it's like, you can communicate that a lot faster. And it wasn't, you know, and her wandering around, like she's wandering around Westwood basically. Yeah. And um, yeah, it just didn't, there was a lot of like, for me watching it, it was like, okay, get to the point. Like get there faster, get there faster. <laughs> so as somebody that knew, the the story of Sharon Tate and and her three friends, I knew like what at least I thought I knew what was coming, mm-hmm. and I thought that the drawn outness of the whole first two hours and fifteen minutes or whatever, I actually really liked it because it did nothing but build my tension. Sure. And, and I was on sure. edge the entire time yeah, because yeah, you knew because in my head I'm like I don't remember when the date was mm-hmm. that Sharon and them were in spoilers but in real life Sharon Tate and her three friends were murdered by the Manson family that right. that, that night. And it doesn't right. play out that way in they, this movie. They they missed the they got to the wrong they house. Get, they did the wrong house <laughs> in this movie. But um cuz they were probably high. Yeah, and what's interesting about like that idea of the title alone is like once upon a time in Hollywood is I thought it was just going to be this play on the play on the title, just like once upon a time in Mexico, once upon a time in the West, he was just going with that homage. Right. But it's, 
it's more than that. It's actually a fairy tale sure. title that I yeah. didn't anticipate going into. Yeah. So the whole time I'm sitting there, I'm just like, I'm waiting for this moment to happen with the Manson family. And then in my, like, I didn't look up anything. I didn't look up whether Cliff was a real, like Brad Pitt's character was a real person or. Yeah, I didn't go back and do that either. I did afterwards. And and Dalton, or not Dalton, Dalton. Rick Dalton. Rick Dalton. And then Cliff um, are not real people, but they're based off of real people. Okay. But neither of the real people that they're based off of were anywhere near Sharon Tate. Right house like yeah so in in the real world sharon tate gets killed and actually killed like her and her baby and everything and it's this terrible thing and it's why like manson ended up going to prison mostly um even though he didn't technically do it and like watching that and then seeing how the ending actually happened with them going to the wrong house <laughs> oh that was so amazing <laughs> and it finally turns into a tarantino movie oh yeah so yeah. my my Reading reviews and stuff leading up to this, it was it's a very mixed review movie. A yeah. lot of people don't like it, and a lot of people absolutely love it. And the thing that's weird is both sides of it are like, oh, it's it's like even if they hate it, they're like, oh, it's absolute Tarantino. It's such a Tarantino yeah. movie. Yeah. And I'm like, this is the least Tarantino movie ever. Yeah. This, this felt like a normal drama up until that last 15 minutes. Yeah. Because um, there's nothing excessive throughout the middle, like throughout the beginning or first well, 75%. Well, aside from pacing. The, yeah, the pacing's excessive. That's, I mean, that, but, but that's not Tarantino esque. Right. Yeah. It You're not wrong. It never felt like a Tarantino movie. Even the weird, like, cuts to flashbacks like while like him and Al Pacino are talking and yeah. like they cut to a flashback of something else and yeah. then when they're cutting to these movie scenes and then like you actually play out like a whole movie yeah when he was doing the the um I forget what the film was but where yeah there's he's like he's got the flamethrower and, and, and there's the build up to that later on and then well, also and the but the the other scene with the girl oh with Timothy Oliphant yeah, and, yeah yeah and that was like oh this is great it was amazing you, I mean, for a moment you forgot you were watching this other thing right. and you're like oh I'm watching this and I this thought it was Western. really cool how they did it and my wife pointed yeah. it out too is like they never actually show a camera right they just go okay line and then back to one and then like the camera that you're seeing the whole movie resets. from resets yeah and yeah. I thought all of that stuff was incredible. Yeah, it was cool. And that's that's kind of that stuff that like this didn't didn't feel like a Tarantino movie at all. Yeah, there's no, no one is like an exaggerated persona of a real person. And I was trying to tell my wife like, well, Pulp- Bruce Lee seemed a little exaggerated. Yeah, but maybe I, not. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe I don't was, know. I mean, I was right on the note. I mean, his 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 daughter or whatever came out and said that you know she was upset that of how they portrayed him in the movie. But yeah, you know, oh, really? I, I have no idea how he actually was behind sets. He could have been like that. I mean, he was one of the biggest I've, stars. I've of the heard time. I've heard that phrase that the line that he says that my fists have been registered yeah, as yeah. the weapons. I've heard that that before. Yeah. Whether or not that was actually said, I don't know. But Brad Pitt's response to that was—I <laughs> know—it's—it's it's really good. That if whole anybody scene is kills really good. anybody, it's called manslaughter. You They're go going to jail. To jail. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought that it was 
it, I was expecting such a Tarantino movie yeah. and I, that I didn't really even get. Even even the violence at the end, as excessive as like a normal movie it is, it still was not like Tarantino excessive. Uh, I don't know. I might disagree with you on that. Well, it was, dude, when he smashed the the redhead girl's face into, into the, the, yeah. the mantle, like seven eight times that's excessive yeah i mean he smashes her head first into the phone i guess then i'm just twice thinking into of the like, picture and I'm, then he finally looks at her and then oh yeah you're done i'm just thinking of like you watch kill bill or inglorious bastards sure, sure. or django yeah. unchained yeah. like yeah that whole house scene at the end of django unchained is absolutely excessive yeah this yeah. excessive yes but yeah Again, I just I did not. I mean, with the feel... flamethrower. Yeah, I mean that's <laughs> I mean, the only comedic <laughs> part of the whole scene. Whereas with 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 most Tarantino movies, when there's violence, it's almost always like excessively humorous in a way because it's so outlandish. Right. Yeah. But that this was... it was that was the only part. But then it shows like and then it gets like real and gruesome and like. It's not like um, I mean, there's there's like a little bit of lighthearted dialogue, but Leonardo DiCaprio like is freaked out and scared right. and like looking at the burnt crisp, you know, <laughs> girl in the pool and they show her and it's like this very real and like <laughs> moment. How dumb is she? Like you're in a oh, pool. I just know. dip in. Duncan. Just but <laughs> she I mean, she couldn't tell where up it was. From oh, down, yeah. So. She was a mess. Um, but yeah, I just it was so bizarre watching up until the last 15 minutes a normal movie from Tarantino I mean it was so normal and I and I was I was gonna say something earlier where if you watch Pulp Fiction or Kill Bill or uh, Django Unchained all of these are in like real locations right but they're with eccentric characters right no character in this movie felt eccentric at all. They all felt very grounded they, you're and right, yeah. normal. Yeah. I mean, it was almost like I don't I don't I can't even think of another director that you know directs such you know straightforward well, maybe may, maybe that was maybe that was the excessive part. They were excessively grounded, especially for Hollywood. Okay. That's an interesting take. Right. So it's it's a it's a huge juxtaposition and contrast from what it's really like. I hadn't thought of that. That's actually a, a really interesting idea yeah. because you do always think of the eccentric, the over the top people when you're thinking of Hollywood. Perhaps. But you're having these real moments where like Leonardo DiCaprio's character is like he's he's realizing he's a washed up has oh, been. Oh, dude, and the he's, trailer scene yeah. after he flubbed oh, his lines gosh. was epic. I mean, this I is mean, the movie that if he if if he didn't win for The Revenant, I would have been shocked if he didn't win for this. Oh yeah, I think he's better in this than he's ever been in any movie. It was ever. Well, he's playing an actor, playing an actor, playing like, multiple it, characters. Yeah, I mean, it was. He's really good at that. He's this. so good, it, so good. Every time, in every time he's on screen, every time Brad Pitt is on screen, it's it it's so 
I don't know. It's just like, I guess, fun to watch because you're just so like engrossed in kind of what is happening with yeah. them and what they're talking about, even though they're yeah. just talking about like, like there's the scene where they're watching FBI. Right. And he's like, oh man, look at that shotgun. Oh, I love that shot. And it's just like them just having a normal, like us right now, right. having a conversation yeah. about a movie. Yep. And they're just talking about it like it's normal. And I guess, yeah, I mean, you kind of just blew my mind by by saying like the the juxtaposition of normalcy is actually what it, you know is the is the eccentricness of the 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 over the topness of it is subduing it down in in the opposite way. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's a really good point, and and it has to be intentional. I I. Because it's such a mundane movie. Yeah, I would. I would like to think so. I mean, growing up there and living in those spaces, and um, and they did that really well. By he did he does that really well. Um, just the locations that he chooses to shoot, um, and and the the fact that he's he's it's a period piece, right? And they're shooting like in not that period and so how do you get because he's not a fan of the cgi no there was a few i think i think the pan am airplane is yeah. cg yeah or if not it's intentionally meant to look a little cartoony right um kind of like a model mm-hmm. you know back in the 60s would have been on in a, in a movie um but yeah i was amazed at just like I, I i came across an article i didn't i didn't get to read through it yet though but it was like the title was just Quentin Tarantino uses an absurd amount of classic cars for once upon a time in Hollywood, Mm -hmm. because there is not a shot of a road that does not have something from the sixties or fifties, like a vehicle in it. Right. They don't get anything wrong in that respect. Nope. But you, you said that there was one thing that sticks out. There's one that's totally in your face if you're looking for it. And I, I I was looking for it the whole time, but I, I, I don't know LA and as well as you, so what what is the one thing that stuck out? So there's a scene where um, it's one of the driving scenes with Brad Pitt, and he he comes to this intersection, and there's a a crosswalk, and the lights are LED. Oh, okay. And, and it says "walk" in green. And that wouldn't have been there. That yet. wouldn't have been there like that at all. Yeah. Right. It it would it huh. and then and then you can if and then once that pops then you notice the traffic light is also LED right and like there, you there was I another mean, super minor yeah like it, you have to really be paying attention to that yeah. and I was because I mean but I mean it was great you know El Coyote then oh, all and the, the Casa Vega yeah. like we've eaten there dozens of times yeah. and it was and the shots from there were were really good. And it was like, oh yeah, I remember. You yeah, know. I'd love to talk about that real quick because they do so many landmark moments in this movie that it's it's clear that it is a love letter to you know the area. Yeah, the Van Nuys uh, yeah. drive-in, which isn't there anymore, um, was it was good. I liked how that. So they had to CGI that in. Right. Um, there's a there's a great number of crane shots. Or jib, I don't know. I'm not, you know, the techno crane, whatever, you know, Chapman, uh, probably. But these crane shots that they would do, where they would start out at a logo like the El, the El Coyote, and then it would just crane up 
over and then reveal whoever they're going to. There's the one that is at the movie theater, the drive-in theater. And it's just this amazing shot that goes from Brad Pitt first pulling into the parking lot, showing the sign of like the movie theater goes up over the movie theater sign Mm -hmm. and then shows the actual screen. And then it follows his car a little bit. Like it, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot more moving camera in this than I remember any Tarantino movie having. I mean, Robert Richardson, uh, he DP'd it again, which he's amazing. Um, yeah, it was, but it's like, this is the look of it. This is the most moving of a camera. I think I've seen probably in a Tarantino movie. And I think what it, is from that is because it is such a slow burn. It is. Is that he was like, they, they had the room to, it wasn't, there's no quick dialogue moments in this there, movie. There's there no, wasn't. there's no round table discussions where it's six characters talking about something that is in almost every Tarantino movie. You know, there is no snappy, quick dialogue. And this is such a slow movie that it just, it's. And you probably need to have that, mo- that movement. Yeah. To keep oh, people. Yeah, for sure. Because if you didn't, if, if you, you didn't, didn't, I would have been like, "What? What yeah, film like, student wrote and directed this movie?" <laughs> but it's the it's the camera movements that like they kept me engaged. They always found kind of an interesting angle from the car shots to do, mm-hmm. and even just kind of like the overall pacing. Like there's the shot or there's the scene where um, Brad Pitt's tire gets slashed, and yeah. then Jet <laughs> is great. riding in on the horse. Oh yeah, Tex. Uh, Tex, sorry, not Jet. Um, Tex is riding back in on the horse, and you're you're because you know if you did know the Sharon Tate story, the whole time I'm like, man, who's gonna die during this story? Because I don't know if Rick Dalton or Cliff, like Brad Pitt's character, maybe they do die here, right? Yeah. And I thought that you got that you got that feeling. Oh, like, the oh, whole time. They're, yeah, they're gonna totally ambush this guy right yeah and so the the suspense and tension is built up so well in that scene at at, um at uh what's it um spawn ranch and the way that that shot progresses and it's edited i thought is the best sequence in the whole movie Mm. because and it's such a simple moment Mm -hmm. but it's text writing in you know he's getting there and then you see his face and then you hear the car leaving before you even see it yeah and so then you just have this like, oh, okay, all right. He made it out of there. You know, he got out of there, and it's. I'm like, I wanted to see. I, I, I wanted to well, see yeah. Tex like trying to. Well, Tex you do about an hour later. His yeah, butt handed yeah, to him. He would have, but you see it an hour later, and he gets uh, curb stomped into the ground. There's so many great nuggets that like that were throughout. Yeah, the, the Bruce Lee scene. Of course, they give that a little bit of the way in the trailer. Yeah, but is but it plays awesome. out so much better in the actual it does, movie. It does. There's so you get many a little, little bit more context. It. Yeah, um, which is that that was a great nugget. Um, and then <laughs> the dog food, like, oh, it's great. Yeah. The, there's a lot of like foreshadowing buildup moments that I feel they pay off pretty well. And I kind of, later and, on. And, 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 and Tar- here's another new one for Tarantino. Um, he points the, the spear gun at his wife on I the know, boat yeah. and doesn't show, show yeah. him shooting her or doesn't show like, Right. It kind of cuts away from that. And it was like, did he or didn't he? Yeah. 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 Right. That, and that keeps that mystery up of that character. Right. And then, but then you know, you know, yeah. he probably did because <laughs> I kind of wanted to see him because 
it was yeah. Tarantino. I'm I like, know. come on, I know. Just it, I think you. I think he's playing into that for this yeah. movie, though. He's playing into what you know, right, about him and what you expect. I guess I should yeah. say from him, and he's using that to build up tension throughout the whole movie. I, I keep I keep talking about tension, and there's one moment though where it just totally fell off for me and like the air from my balloon I believe is the <laughs> phrase I don't know uh you tell me you get deflated I got deflated and it's when it goes six months later oh on the screen because you had you had yeah. you had two and a, you had two hours of buildup of tension and then now it's like six months later and I'm like oh <laughs> what like it just kind of bleh. okay so here's this that punched me it deflated me in the same way, the same way that the five years later in Endgame. Same thing. Like, dude, first of all, okay, you didn't have to do it that way. You didn't have to cut to black screen. And right. Then put, yeah. I'm like, well, oh, that, I don't know what it is. It's just, it rubs it, it, me yeah, wrong. It takes me out of it yeah. for some reason. And yeah. th- that's a similar thing with this was there was a bunch of timestamps and date stamps and then random Kurt Russell voiceover right. that was explaining what's happening on screen. And I'm like, yeah. I don't need to hear. I can see it. Like, I, I, can, I know what's happening yeah. on screen. It's not, I'm not stupid. I like, tuned I, that I can, out most of the time. Yeah, but it was just, it was very off-putting, the, the dates and stuff. And I, yeah. so it was strange to me because there is so much of it up front um, that I'm like, Oh, this is going to be important, you know, leading yeah. up to it. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, I don't remember when the Sharon Tate thing happened in real life. Which, so when when it when they're building up to it, and then it goes six months later, I'm like, oh, okay. So you built up all that tension for nothing. It's not leading. It's not leading up to the night of. Right. Yeah. Which it should have. Yeah, that's kind of what I wanted. Yeah, just take that six months later out, and it, you're and it works. And yeah, it's fine. and I know that's Nobody not realistic it, yeah, because Sharon Tate's movie didn't come out the it, day before she it, got killed. And neither but, is this. Yeah. But, well, you know. <laughs> right. That's my problem. Is like if you're gonna go as far as changing history for your movie, right. you can change the date, the timeline for your movie as well. For sure. For sure. So that was the only thing that really like stuck with me in a in a negative way was it just deflated me so much because I. I had two hours of like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? Who's going to die? When's this going to happen? When's this going to happen? Right. And then it doesn't happen. And then you get probably the greatest burglary house scene ever. That's just <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's Tarantino enough. Like it, oh, dude. it might not be as excessive there, as usual, but there were some John Wick ish moments in there for sure. Like I was like, oh. Oh, um, I mean, the, out the loud, theater. doubled over in the theater. Yeah, yeah the was... theater was just like <clears throat> screaming and like, yeah. oh my god, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the first one. Well, it's not even. It's when the dog first jumps on the on the guy and, and grabs the gun from him or whatever. Yeah, um, people went, oh, but then when he throws the can of dog food. And, at the girl's it, face, yeah, and it caves in. Yeah, it cr- it everyone in the theater just yeah. went, "Oh my <laughs> gosh!" Yeah, and it was, oh yeah. man, uh, it, it brutal and humorous yeah. in only the way that Tarantino yeah. can do. And then the dog grabs him by the balls, and oh was, man, oh, every yeah. every guy in the theater was like, oh. 
it, it's it's brutal and crazy. And I and I like that kind of like uh, Francesca or whatever. I can't remember her his his wife's his Italian wife's name. Yeah, I think it I was think Francesca, it was Francesca. Yeah. How she kind of like she 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 knocks the girl down too yeah. and gets her a little bit of it, and then she runs to the bat the bedroom, um, yeah. and the dog comes and gets her later on. But uh, yeah, I, I just you know I was waiting for that the entire movie, and. I feel like it would have worked if you just knocked out. It would have worked so much better if you knocked out that six months later. Right. And it, just, it was all leading up to that. Yeah, night. you didn't need that. And you had a you bunch of just it. like occurrences. Now, I think what maybe happened was, and, and, I, and I, I don't know. I mean, Tarantino is such a pro that I doubt this is why. But you had the scene where he met Tex and all the hippies at, right. at, at Spawn Farms. Mm-hmm. Um just 20 30 minutes earlier it might have felt too soon for him to then go on and say when he's on his acid trip oh, oh i, I know you. You. yeah i remember you guys yeah. it needed to feel like it was more separated from that yeah maybe i don't know in the edit maybe they thought that mm, and, yeah, and it just they didn't i don't know i don't know how you convey that better but <clears throat> i'm just trying to think of a reason why you wouldn't just yeah. have it build up yeah for you know the it's it's this is a movie about the six days leading up to that event and then that event well we're and change i think it. and i and i think what's important for for people there's a lot of little nuances that you pick up on when charles pulls up in the ice cream truck yeah they call him charlie in yeah. this. they don't even say manson at all right yeah so it's important to know the backstory yeah like it, it's important to have just some understanding of the Sharon Tate in Charles Manson whole scenario and um and how that kind of came about and if you have an understanding of that then a lot of these little nuances throughout this film are going to are going to be just little gems right um otherwise you it'll go right over your head so i had the unfortunate job of breaking the news to my wife after we saw this of what actually happened she had no idea she had never heard of oh, the wow. Sharon Tate incident yeah. and yeah. um anything like that and she was like really bummed out and um so but then it, she was bummed out after you told her yeah because she wanted to know beforehand so now you got to go see it again well she actually does want to go see it again and I think I think I need to also I, I don't know if I'll see it in the theater just because of people in the theater experience but that's a that's a different topic but um <laughs> but that that's a thing right it, it is definitely a thing but you know I just I I think I mean it's it fu- sealed the idea of this being a fairy tale was yeah. having that different ending yeah. and letting them you know because it's it's that moment where Leonardo DiCaprio is standing there in this in the cul-de-sac and I, I can't remember his name but you know he's played by um Emil Hirsch he walks into the gate and it's kind of, I, 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 I'm remembering a music swell or something that's like a triumphant music swell. If I remember right, I, I might just be putting this in my brain, but, and it felt kind of like this, Oh, like this is what it could have, you know, like if, yeah. if Manson wouldn't have happened, this is what would have happened. And right, like, yeah, yeah. he would have went over there and just had a drink that night. Right. And like, it's so, and his it's such a happy ending, yeah. right? It's yeah. such a happy ending that it's yeah. so depressing to think that it didn't happen, you know? Right. Like, yeah. and, that, and that's such a bummer. And like, you, you get this moment of just like, oh, 
and that ha- and that's you know. and that's true of Hollywood all day every day. Yeah. Um. One one of the other things that was interesting. So, um, I listened to a red carpet interview with uh, that Variety did with DiCaprio yeah. about this film um, at the premiere, and you know he was talking about film, you know, and shooting on film, and he was like. They were talking about streaming, you know, stri- you know, all the streaming happening and all the digital platforms now. And not that this would be the last film to be shot on film and done this way, but it it's kind of a it's kind of a marker for an end of an era, I would say. Yeah. And and he talked about that a little bit and he talked about, you know, we're in this era where, you know, all these streaming platforms, you know, stuff gets shot digitally. It's edited digitally. You've got all the CGI and it's, it's amazing. And yeah, he's not can, cutting it down. You can, no, all. he right, wasn't. Yeah. And he was just saying it's we're we're now in a different time. Yeah. And, um, and then he also talked about the theater going experience you know, the actual experience of going to, um, you know, the communal aspect of going to the theater it goes back to the storytelling around the fire yeah, pit, yeah. you know, uh, you know, ages ago. And then I started digging into, into that and was like, okay, kind of what is the, what is the future of the, the, theatrical experience going to the, see a movie in the theater and um i don't think that's going to go away i think maybe there's a change you know because of streaming and you you get certain stuff but i i think that there's a an expectation of you know it's it's funny because my my wife and i talk about this she's not a big fan of going to the movies because it's not time to connect like she wants, she would rather go to dinner, and and talk, sure. you know, and have you know, and connect about, hey, yeah, what, I get what are you thinking, what are you feeling, this kind of thing, um, and and I don't look at it the same way. I look at going to the movies as you're you're going to see or hear this story, and you're and you're doing it together. You're sharing that experience yeah. as an experience that's yeah. shared that that does build memories and, and then you have a podcast about it yeah and then you can talk about this story <laughs> yeah. afterwards or whatever but it's interesting to see even i you know and there's a lot of different types of you know alamo draft house and, mm-hmm. and you know and different types of theaters that are that are doing different things and there's one that has like a a, a, sw- a instead of a drive-in it's a dive-in and it's what? a swim like you and I've seen a couple. Of, I've seen some Just of these things. Jaws on repeat. Okay, so in Austin, a couple summers ago, they they set up these big inflatable screens, and you would watch Jaws while sitting in the lake on a on a <laughs> on an inner tube. That's terrifying. It is because it's <laughs> freaky because it's it's at night and it's dark yeah. and the water's black. Now you know there aren't any sharks in the river, but so there's it's something not, else in there. Yeah, but yeah. it's not. And, yeah, and you just, dude, I, <laughs> I I just picture putting a shark fin on my back oh and swimming my gosh. through, just <laughs> grabbing people's feet. <laughs> you'd get a, you'd probably get arrested for like public disturbance <laughs> or something. Be awesome. That'd be hilarious. But though. yeah, so you know, it's an experience. Yeah, right. And so, um, and there's something about being in that room together and watching that and hearing that story and seeing that story 
Um, you know, when we talk to Mark about how important the audio and the sound is, it's it's really hearing that story, you know, with the visual support. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I don't personally think it's going anywhere. I think it's going to change in the sense of what types of movies are going to be in theaters. Sure. I think it's going to eventually just become superhero well i don't i don't want to i don't want to say that but yeah i mean yeah i mean that is a big chunk i wouldn't be mad at that (laughs) it's just going to become these it's only your tentpole movie right is what's showing right and there's going to be a lot less of them yeah um because disney's going to own everything eventually right and because of that they don't want to compete with themselves so it's just going to be one new movie every week or whatever, and you're going to see a lot less theaters, but you're still going to have theaters, I think. And then you're going to have yeah. then you're going to have the Alamo Draft Houses that are showing the Tarantino movies, the 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 you know Cameron Crow movies or whatever, right. and and he you know like and those are going to go away though. I, I, at least they're going to dwindle in numbers. They're going to, you might still have the Austin one, maybe an well, LA do you think, one. Do you but, think, you, do you think that uh, those will end up just moving over to the streaming platforms and like an know, Alamo draft house? No, as far as like those types of films. Yeah. You're just I gonna, do. You're I do. And even, it. even though, I mean, you're going to have these situations where like a Tarantino owns a theater. Or a Nolan owns a theater. Right. And that's the only theater you can go to to see that movie on the big screen because there there is no there's no more distribution to multiple theaters. It's mm. gonna be like it's just it's gonna be Netflix or Tarantino's cinema. Like I I, I believe that's the way we're going. Hmm. Um that's I, interesting. You know, TV is becoming more and more accessible more and more options more and more quality on it even though there is more of it so it's impossible to watch everything right but you have people and you know let's let's be honest like people are kind of lazy when it comes to entertainment they don't if if they if they don't have to go to a movie theater and spend fifty dollars on popcorn and soda right on top of another thirty dollars for the ticket they're not going to right if they can watch that same movie at home in the comfort of their boxers in their recliner then yeah you're they're going to there's I mean and why shouldn't they right I, I get it like TVs have come a long way no one's watching you know these movies on little tube televisions anymore no I mean. I'm not saying everybody has a perfect television system anymore, but they have it good enough to where everyone thinks that, why do I need to go to the movie theater now for right. this experience? Right. And I can have, you know, I can have my friends over and we can watch this here and not pay anything, maybe nine ninety nine for a rental or whatever. And we can all watch it. Or I can spend $15 plus $30 plus my girlfriend right. is, you know, in the, and it's just like, I think it's a lot to do with money. Obviously that's a huge part of it. And then the other one is just people are lazy and there's a third aspect too. And the third aspect is that we've, we've become so used to instant, right? We've become so used to not understanding how processes and drive throughs and you can get everything right now. Yeah. Yeah. So now you can get your movies right now. Right. I can get it on my phone. I can get it on my computer. I can get it on my Apple TV and get it on my smart TV. You know, right. however I want it, I can get it right now. And I think a lot of that has made us like 
un- unaware of kind of the the reasoning, the processes, the the why. Like why why would you go to the theater? Why is the theater the better experience right. for that film? Um, well, and then there's the time factor too. Yeah, right. It's like you you're not going to get it at at home, or at least that's how it's been up up till now. Like you're not going to get the Netflix release for three months, or you're you're not going to. Well, that's going to change. I really yeah, do. I think so too. Because the, with look at the Disney Plus stuff, they're creating content just for Disney Plus now. Sure. That will never see a theater. Right. I mean, and and I think like that's the, what's uh, you know Agents of Shield. Yeah. I mean, if you look at Netflix, Netflix is doing the same thing. I mean, Beasts of No Nation, all of these movies that they have that oh, well, Beasts of No Nation is a yeah, bad example because that was in in a theater, but they have these movies that are available. Like the Scorsese movie that's coming out, The Irishman, that's going to be in select theaters, but it's also going to be on Netflix the same day. Wow, really? Yeah. So why why go to the theater? The then? normal person uh-huh. isn't going to go to the theater. Right. We would. Sure. We're cinephiles. Yeah. We are the one percent, though. Right. We we don't we don't matter in the eyes of the you know the the bottom line. Right. Yeah. The business model isn't yeah. targeted at. It's at, not targeted at, at us. It's targeted yeah. at the normal person that's going to go. I was honestly surprised that the theater last night when I saw Once Upon a Time was almost full. It was a smaller screen, so you know maybe what the two hundred people, if that. Like I don't I don't mm-hmm. even know if it's that big. Um, and it was almost full. There was maybe you know. 20 seats empty, which for they were all in the second very front. Week, yeah, they were all in the <laughs> yeah. very front, right? For the, you know, the second week of a Tarantino three hour long movie, like that's, that's pretty decent. Yeah. Um, almost all adults. I don't know if I saw anyone younger, which please don't take your kid to this movie. It, yeah. It's I mean, ain't a kid movie. Oof. That's for sure. Um, but you know, and then what is that? What is those numbers though? Those numbers don't translate to anything when you have the 500 seater next door playing the Lion King, and it's selling Which is out like every show. Three weeks now. Yeah, is it three or four weeks now. Yeah. And it's still, you know, it's, it's going to make a billion dollars or whatever. So I think these smaller, more intimate movies are going to become only online like you're only going to have streaming or you're just going to have these special events right where like you know on like tuesdays like cineplex yeah or like arc light or something yeah, yeah right i think arc light these these independent theaters actually i don't know if arc light's independent but these independent theaters are going to still offer and they're i mean draft house is only like five screens i mean it's a small yeah. theater you know that's that's the way it stays sustainable yeah. Um, you're not, you don't have a whole lot of overhead. You don't have 20, 20 screens to try and fill movies with. And um, you still have at least one screen that's playing that big blockbuster. So that's your income for, you know, a bunch of people. But then the other four screens are your, your indies, you know, your, right. your art house films or whatever. Right. Yeah. And then you have your special events. And I think there's always going to be room and a place for those special events, like going and watch it as you're dressed as a clown, like right, Alamo yeah. draft house does that. And yeah. it's, you know, there's always going to be a want for that or like super bad worst movie marathons. Right. Yeah. You know? And so I think, I think theaters will stay around for that, but it's going to become less and less these corporate theaters like AMC is going to die and everything else is going to become so much smaller and scale. Right. And so the next theater that you see, AMC opening in, in 10 years is going to maybe have five screens. Maybe yeah. like it's just, that's what's going to be because they don't need to fill 
they'll they'll have three of those screens playing whatever the Marvel movie is that month, and then two of them playing whatever the Universal Pictures movie is that month. Right. Like whatever the Fast and the Furious is. Because those are the only two companies eventually. It's going to be Comcast, Universal, and Disney. And then eventually Disney will devour Every, Universal Comcast yeah. <laughs> and be, you know. Well, they 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 bought the Star Wars franchise. Yeah. They bought Marvel. They they what else do they own? Well, twentieth century, twentieth century yeah. Fox. I mean, what, I mean, the only thing left is is Sony, Paramount, WB, and Comcast Universal. Yeah, the four. Right. And I mean, there's there's smaller one, Lionsgate, uh, uh, Screen Gems, which I think is well. Disney Gate also property. owns Buena Vista and Miramax. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think they sold off Miramax. Did they? I think so. I might be yeah. wrong though, but I, I think they, yeah, I think five years ago or so they sold it off. Yeah. Um, but no one's using it anymore because the name is kind of tainted with yeah. uh, Weinstein. But yeah, it's it, it, it's kind of depressing because, um, which brings me to another topic, but watching this movie in the theater, I actually, I really enjoyed watching it in the theater. Yeah. Um, seeing this, the these crane camera movements and the scale and the crispness and, and, you know, it was, it was definitely at least a 2k, maybe a 4k projection in there. And brings me to my other point is that film, uh, sorry, it doesn't matter anymore. Like the film versus digital, it doesn't matter anymore it doesn't. because this it movie, doesn't. even though they shot it on, I don't think they shot it on 70, but I think they shot it on uh, 35. Yeah. I think it you're right. 35. looks digital. The entire movie because I saw a digital projection of it. Right. It looks like it was shot on an Alexa. Right. You could if you told me yeah. that this was shot on an Alexa LF or something, I would have been like, yeah, duh. Yeah. Because there is no part of it that feels like film. There's no grain. There's I mean, it's it's the cleanest digi- yeah, the most color digital looking. Was good. It was it's good. It yeah. don't get me wrong, it looks amazing. The, the color looks amazing for but there's, that it's, period. It's so I don't know why, but it just feels very modern and yeah, digital, I mean. even though it's supposed to be this like throwback thing. But I mean, there's, there's what, three, and, three and directors that and are. And to your point, I think that's why DiCaprio said what he said yeah. on the red carpet was, is that it's not cost effective to shoot on film. And it anymore. doesn't matter anymore. And it doesn't because you can, you can imitate that look. Yeah. And in you can imitate it in such a way that you wouldn't know the difference. Yeah, it was so weird because there's so much of this movie that has like old footage in it from real yeah. 1950s, 1960s TV and and movies. There's there's the great um, no pun intended. There's the great escape scene right. where they superimpose uh, Leonardo DiCaprio into that movie. Right, and it looks amazing. It was cool. Yeah. <laughs> but it sticks out like a sore thumb because it's like actual film with a with a crappy film grain, you know, speed or ISO, whatever. Right. And then it was developed and processed in the 60s. So, of right. course, it's going to have a certain look to it. And then when it it's like cut in and juxtaposed with this very clean 2019 processed film movie from Tarantino, it's like why like why did you bother like just let it die let let the let the film just die like i love the sound of a reel playing in in rolling in my ear when i'm mm-hmm. shooting on film too and and there is a certain 
way that the highlights react and the way that the shadows are and the way that yeah. the color is. And but if you if you need an example of a film movie looking digital, like look no further than this movie. And of all people, for a film movie to look digital, this is not the one I would have expected. Right. I I I cannot tell you how surprised I was at how digital this movie looked, considering Tarantino is one of three directors that like refuse to shoot on digital. Right. Him, Nolan, and and somebody else I can't remember. Not JJ. Maybe JJ. I think he shoots everything on film still, but I don't know if he's against it. But yeah, it, I can't remember. And it's that. I can't remember the last time I saw yeah. a film that was shot on film that, you know, that really looked like film, maybe, maybe Dunkirk, but that's because it's shot on like actual, like 70 millimeter IMAX. Yeah. That's a big difference to me, but I feel like regular 35 well, millimeter so has gotten so, so close. Endgame. Endgame was shot on IMAX. Well, it's different IMAX. But yeah. Yeah. But yeah, you know, I, <laughs> there's this, um, this romance with, the idea you know of of film and the in that whole yeah the history behind it and you know old hollywood and that type of thing where um i understand that but when you're holding on to that so tightly um and it just doesn't become it's not a it's you're holding on to that I don't even know how to say it right. Where you you know you you're holding on to that romance so tightly that it and it's not necessary anymore. Totally, unnecessary. it's not necessary because of look. It's it's um, it's on some levels there's this unwillingness to change. Yeah, and um, and you know you're holding on to you know this um this idea, this form, this, this art form, so to speak, that you, you kind of miss the forest through the trees. I don't know. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I think I, and, and it's not, I don't want to be misunderstood that I, I'm, I'm not a fan of the art form. I'm absolutely a fan of the art form, but I also am a fan of what technology brings. Mm-hmm. I'm also a fan of, hey, if we can, if we can make it look the same for half the cost, then let's make it look the same for half the cost. Yeah. Um, Don't do it just because you. Yeah. Can. Just yeah. It's like all right, no, we're going to make this movie cost $300 million because we want to shoot it on film as right. opposed to $100 million and have it be a, have a better bottom line. Yeah. Because, you know. I mean, know, that, that might be an exaggeration of it, yeah, pricing, it is, but still. It is. Um, yeah, I, 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 I'm with you. I mean, there's certain times where I think the film aesthetic has its place, and but you're doing that intentionally. Like when somebody goes and shoots something on Super 16 millimeter, like it has such a look to it sure. that I don't think you can quite get eight millimeter has the same, you know, right. Yeah. It has that, it has a certain thing about it, like but eight millimeter, like, that film was great. Y- yeah. Yeah. But the 35 millimeter stock that we have now, it's way too clean to me. Yeah. And we talk about sensors, we talk about lenses and everything. And to me, there was no difference in whatever film stock they used for this movie as opposed to just throwing an Alexa mini 
or an Alexa LF in front of the actors and filming them with that, with right. the same lenses. Right. And I, I just, I don't know. I, it, it's such a headstrong, stubborn thing that no, I'm going to yeah. shoot my film on film because it's a real film. Damn it. And it's, it's, <laughs> Tell your story how you need to tell your story. Sure. If it requires film, then make a good reason for it to require film. Right. Yep. If that if that film needs to look a certain, I mean, I always think of like, um, I mean, you look at David Fincher. He adopted digital really quick. Mm-hmm. Jumped on the red one almost immediately, and he hasn't looked back. He's shoot. He shoots on the reds now on almost everything he does. Um, but I look back at like a movie like Seven, that he shot on film because digital mm-hmm. wasn't big yet, and that movie looks like it should be shot on film. It's high grain, which means right. that they shot the whole thing in a high ASA, ISO, whichever you want to call it. Yep. And that's the requirement there. You want, you don't want a digital, I mean, this is a different time period, but you don't want that digital grain because that looks very different than a film grain. Sure it does. Yeah. But you still want it to have that film look while also having that film grain and then having that latitude of film back in the day. And that, that's for your story. You wanted right. seven to look grimy right. and yeah. gritty if it, and gross. I'm with you 100. percent If it lends to the the story, yeah. If it if it supports that that feel, then yes. Yeah, and and I just you know I don't know if it, you know Robert Richardson. I think he's he's talked about it where he he's fine with digital, you know, and he's the DP on this. He's the DP on, on all Tarantino's movies and he's okay with it. He, I mean, the, these DPs don't care anymore. Right. And it's, it seems to me like it's just these, these directors and it's only the, only the big guys that are still fighting it. And like, as much as it sucks to have like, you know, Kodak's days are numbered like that. That's, you know what, that's what happens. Like companies go under all yeah, the time yeah. and, and like podcasting is going to be dead someday. You know, right, I'm like, not going to cry about it. Like the horse and buggy. Yeah. They, right. they, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, what, what was the, the, the Tesla, you know, Tesla with the, the current, the air, uh, you know, uh, electric current and everything. And then it didn't pick up. So then we got Edison and now, and there's this great article, not article, but there's this great discussion about how we wouldn't have computers if we would have went Tesla's route with electricity because there would be so much um, electric wave pollution in the air that you wouldn't have had RF frequencies, UHF, VHF, all of these things. And so the computer would not have progressed the way that it did. We would have done mm-hmm. it maybe differently, possibly, but the air would have been so polluted with things that you wouldn't have had radios. You wouldn't have had Wi-Fi. You wouldn't have had all this stuff. Mm. So by us, you know, kind of, by having Edison stab Tesla in the back, sort of speak, um, it ended up being better for technology. Nobody saw that 150 years ago sure, yeah. or whatever, but right. we are at that now right. and we see that. And so I just feel like you've got, you've got to move on and tell your story the best way that you can. Yeah. And if he needed another three months of shooting on this movie, if he would have shot it digitally, that budget would have been there because I'm, I'm exaggerating with three months, but because that film stock of it. Now, I know it's Tarantino. It's Tarantino. Like he's going to get the whatever budget he wants. Sure. Like yeah. that's just him. Yeah. But, you know, a normal person, like I remember watching um, Project Greenlight on HBO. Mm. And the dude that was the director was so arrogant on that season. And so adamant about using film 
Mm-hmm. And uh, he's just like, no, you know, I want to use film. I love film. I love the way film looks and it needs to be film. And like the line producer and everybody like was just like, you know, if you shoot it digitally, you get this much extra in your budget to do anamorphic or whatever, you know? And he's like, no, I want to shoot it on film. It's going to be film. Find it in the budget, do it on film. And then like they show it at the end of the season. And I'm like, this, this could have been any digital camera right. with a nice lens in front of right. it. Yeah. Zero reason to shoot it on film. Right. And, yeah. and that's, and that's where the, where, that's really where it's a problem. And it's a problem when it's, it's ego. Yeah. That's where, that's when it's a problem. Yeah. It's a problem when you're, you're, you're not, you're, you're holding on to the, the romance and there's ego there, and it's like, no, you know, it's got to be da 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 da, and and it reminds me of when we went to Cinegear. yeah, and um, and if you're if you're producing YouTube films, you're looked down on, right. and and I don't just mean like vloggers and YouTubers in that sense. I mean if you're actually making short films, yeah, and, if your only your, platform your, is YouTube, yeah, yeah, then you're then, then you're like, um. But you're still a filmmaker, and there, and that's because there's ego, and there, ego is such a destroyer of all things good. You know, I go back to that the the discussion we had with Mark, and and he said all the best films are ones that where they collaborate yeah. earlier on in the process, right? And the more collaboration, the better the outcome, and and you only get that kind of community and collaboration when you set aside your ego, you know, and, the, and, and, and part of setting aside the ego is, is embracing change, embracing something new, embracing what can be to quote. Yeah. Thanos. Yeah. Right. But I, I mean, yeah, that's, we're that's all kinds of stubborn. <laughs> such a good point though, because like I mean, going back to that project green light episode or season, yeah, he was so arrogant and so stubborn and so uncollaborative and and watching like him on set and just the way that he was with with the other crew. Yeah, it's I mean it's cool. like no wonder, you know, no yeah, wonder you this who didn't wants work, to work out. And yeah, yeah. I mean, if if me getting a movie done or me shooting on film and having no friends, like I just get the movie done. Like just give me give me the the A seven S two or whatever I don't care like as right. long as I can tell the story and it doesn't call for it to be on film, yeah you know I, I I'm sitting here saying like does it call for I mean I guess a movie about Hollywood should probably be shot on film but you know it just doesn't look like it is it, if if it looked like it was I would be all for yeah it. I wouldn't I if you I wouldn't just even watch talk it, about it just going to watch it you wouldn't know yeah like you wouldn't know like, like Hateful Eight looks like it's shot on film. Right. It looks like it's shot on film. It looks like it was gritty and 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 roughed up in because it was. It was shot on super old 70 millimeter cameras. Called for it. Yeah. And this doesn't. Like this does not look like it at all. This could have been definitely shot on Alexa and I wouldn't have even noticed. Yeah. So, um Tarantino, I know you're listening. Um, <laughs> you have one movie left. <laughs> Till you hit your ten and you say you're going to retire, but uh, just shoot the last one on digital as a middle finger to the industry and bye bye. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I, I think that's about all I have to say about it, though. Yeah, it was good. There's a lot of great nuggets. Um, I do you recommend people go see it? I think if you 
if you love film, which if you're listening to this podcast, you probably do. Uh, yeah, I think you should see it. I, yeah. I think it's it's a it's probably a must. I, you know, I'm not going to say it's one of the, like the top 100 movies of all time or anything like that, but it's it's a movie of of intrigue and like interest in the way that it was edited and 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 how different it is. Now, I will say this: watch the previous eight Tarantino movies leading up to it. So that you know Tarantino's tone, you right, know Tarantino's yeah. style, and then this will completely flip it on its head. And I think as a as a filmmaker and then a, a movie goer, that works so much better having that expectation yeah. of what Tarantino is known for going yeah. into it, and then just being like, "Whoa, this isn't at all what I was expecting." Right. I was expecting the last 15 minutes of the movie to be the entire movie. Like I thought it was going to all be like that. Yeah. And it wasn't, Yeah, um, you know, and glorious bastards is a great way to look at that where it's just so excessive throughout the entire movie. Um, everyone's a caricature of them, you know, of an actual person or whatever. And right. there's, there is no caricatures. It's so subdued. It's so kind of mundane in a, in a, in a unique and interesting way, I guess, you know? Yeah. There's things that could have been cut. It could have been shorter. Um, but you know, I don't know. I don't know really, I'd be really interested to like get my hands on this, cut it and see if I like it the same. See if maybe it being slow, mundane actually is a benefit. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, looking at it's, it's a hard, it's a hard yeah. thing to, to gauge because. Dude, three hour movies are, are. Yeah. You know, and, I, it's you know hard. and you know how big of a Marvel fan I am and I hate the end game cut. Yeah, I know you do. I hate it. It's like after seeing it 22 times, yeah. I'm like, no. It's a little self-indulgent. It is. It yeah. is it, a little. Well, it, it's a lot self-indulgent. Yeah. And I and they're, I'm like, dude, that movie could seriously be 220. Yeah. 230 maybe. It's kind of interesting that they didn't just do a 230 cut. Yeah. And then like for home release, do the three hour and six minute version. Yeah. Because you would have, yeah. you would have bought like sold so many Blu-rays or whatever. Yeah. I think you would have sold more. Yeah. For I sure. Mean, 30 extra minutes. I mean, do an extended. Extended you know, director's yeah, cut. Yeah. A Peter Jackson style. Right. Thing. And yeah. And, but it's Canon. Like this is still Canon. It's not, you know. Yeah. It, but the three, yeah, the three it's dude in an age, you know, like you mentioned earlier, you talking about in an age where we get, we, it's immediate, every, it's immediate gratification. Yeah. Um, to sit for almost three hours is is going to be hard. I don't think I I I don't know. Well, this is why I talk about these kind of movies doing going to home, right? Because at home right. you have no problem binge watching five hours of yeah. of dope. Yeah, or or Chernobyl, right? Or Stranger Things, but in all a th- day in a theater, it's difficult. Like I skipped going to fireworks and going to the barbecue on Fourth of July and binge watch Stranger Things. We never talked about it, did no, we? No, I don't think we did. We should maybe talk about that. <laughs> but but you're right. You know, I think for longer form content, it's got it, the streaming makes sense. Um, three hours is, um, I don't know. Maybe I'm a bit old school on that. Um, or maybe I'm a bit new school in the idea that man, things need to move a little faster. It's right? possible, yeah. You know, and think it's like you know the films that are an hour and a half are 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 more palatable than twice that. Right. So I don't know. I mean, I, I 
I love me a long movie. Yeah. Because I, I, that's that's my my bread and butter is 2001 A Space Odyssey, Once Upon a Time in America, you know, just yeah. these long epics that take forever and are slow to burn. And that's that's my vibe. Like, I, re- I really like that. But I, that is not the average person's. So right, yeah. I think having these options of, like, these three-hour Tarantino, these three-hour Nolan movies online, is it's a lot more accessible yeah. to a lot of people. And I don't mind the three-hour movie if the story calls for that. Sure, yeah. If the story calls for three hours, then okay, it's three hours. Yeah. But if if the story doesn't call for three hours and you're and you're making it three hours because you can, yeah, because you're you're doing a Marvel film and you're the Russos or you're Tarantino or you're Nolan or you who you're whoever and you yeah. can get away with it, then I have a problem. Sure. Because the story doesn't call for it. Yeah. And so doing it because you have the power to do it. Sure. Instead like, of it's helping th- the story. Yeah. Story yeah. is king. Um and decisions, you know, whether or not to use film, to use digital, to what you know, whatever you're doing. As, as if it tells a story better, then rock on. Yeah. Do it. If it doesn't, then don't be afraid to go a different direction. I don't know. That's solid. Yeah. Well, guys, that about does it for this week. Thanks for listening. Uh, if you could uh, find us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and give us a review. Yeah, I would love that. That would be awesome. We have five reviews or five of these ratings on Apple Podcasts. Do now. we really? Yeah, we're five stars right now. I ha- wow, I haven't five even stars. T- wow. Five out of five. Wow. I wrote a little review on oh, there. It's okay. cute. My know? wife, my daughter. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no. yeah, probably. It's Not all true. our family members. Not true. My wife. Yeah. I, I'm like, hey, did you listen? She's like, listen to what? <laughs> listen to what? You know the thing I go and do every Saturday morning. Uh, yeah, let's go uh, hit us up on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Stitcher. Or Anchor.fm. Uh, yeah, I don't know if you can do reviews yeah, I don't on know. Anchor, but yeah, um, yeah Anchor.fm slash the easy podcast, and then that'll send you to whatever streaming platform you use. And yeah, guys, we just, we really appreciate it. We're trying to get on kind of that listeners uh, featured list yeah. on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Uh, Apple Podcasts just redid how they how they show podcasts so it would be awesome if we could figure out how to get on there um, how much apple how much money do you yeah need? right let <laughs> us know uh, email us at uh, the easy podcast show at gmail.com and let us know uh, but yeah give us five stars if you guys like the show if you don't give us yeah however many one, stars you one think. star <laughs> and then give us a review though tell us what we could do better yeah we'd love to definitely hear from you guys and uh because we want to make it the best that it can be and with your feedback we can do that yeah and uh, we're hoping to have some more interviews here uh pretty soon so i think those were great that we did while we were at cinegear in june but um more coming up soon and if you guys want to find us on instagram or twitter we are at the easy podcast Uh, if you want to email us with any comments concerns or suggestions the easy podcast show at gmail.com. There it is. I couldn't rob him of his <laughs> of his glory there. So uh I am on Instagram and Twitter at Zach Abbotts. Wow. And Eric, you are on Instagram and Twitter and yeah. YouTube at Eric, Eric Thurston. Thurston. Yeah. That info's all in the show notes. Guys, uh thanks for listening. Yep. Thanks for uh joining us and until next time. 
Bye. Bye.